0: Hi everyone, welcome to Seated with Strangers. This season, we're exploring the topic of reimagining community and culture. My name is Shit, and I'm Seated with Sarita and Quinta. On today's episode, we'll be talking about how do you make friends as an adult?
1: All right, I have a two-part question. Why is it so hard to make friends as an adult? Think on that for a minute. And are we using the fact that we're so busy as an excuse to not make room for friendship? And do you think we're really busier than we were in previous generation.
0: I think it's hard to make friends as an adult because I have expectations now (laughs) that everybody is just not a friend material in my world. I'm very, I would say, selective. And I also feel that I'm not accepting applications. So my friends are my friends. I feel like I put in a lot of work and friendships don't maintain themselves. If I have to do a lot of work to maintain the ones I have, I just don't have a lot of room for
1: additional ones. I think that once you get older, we have all these priorities. Everybody is working. Some are mothers, some are wives, and you may not have the time or some people say no new friends. I don't believe in that because I think you can miss out on people when you do that, but it does take work. And I do believe that if you take the time to nurture your friendships, it's so meaningful and so valuable, but it I don't think it's hard. I just think we have to be, like you said, selective because everybody cannot be your friend. You can't take everybody with you on the journey. But I do think that it is valuable to have some good friends. And to have a good friend, like the Bible says, you must show yourself friendly. So you must put in some work, check on them, check on them. It's not like when we were in undergrad, you had all the time in the world. Sometimes you have to schedule it and I'm going to call Sarah. I'm going to have lunch with Quentin. I'm going to meet up with Shay this weekend. So you have to be intentional, also selective, but also open.
2: Absolutely. I think that's the open part is really important for me because I've asked the same questions. Like, why is it so hard to make friends as an adult? I've always been the friend that you can count on me. Anytime you call me, I'm going to make myself available. Mm -hmm. As I got older, early 30s, 36 now, I realized that I could not be everything to everyone. So Mm -hmm. my expectations for I want friends as an adult changed. Realizing Mm -hmm. that I could have this friend who that's my brunch friend. We'll hang out and get on the weekends. But then I also have a friend where we love books and we love to read. And so we can discuss. And I don't need everything in one or two or three people. That's I can good. have a multiple grouping of people that, okay, they're my friends. These are people who I genuinely trust. I know who to go to for certain things. And they know that they can also come to me. So that's how I've dealt with this whole thing of, How do I make friends as an adult? It's just changing my expectations as life has changed. That's good.
0: Yeah. And I think you said, are we more busy than other generations? I don't think that the other generations thought that they were less busy. I think they were busy for the time. I think that... Mm -hmm. We are busy because we have a lot of different resources at your fingertips. I think sometimes when you're thinking friends, you're like, how should that be hard? We have all the technology. We could figure that out. But I think that it's how you use it and what it's being used for. There's a lot of crossover in the technologies that we have. And so I think trying to find boundaries. And I also think that, like, I don't think that you can actually multitask. It's an illusion, right? Because you're not actually doing multiple things at once you're taking your attention. But I think when it comes to... Yeah. The friendships, yeah, I don't think it's an excuse, but I do think we're busy and I think everybody's busy. And so you've got to pick your back in the day, have like your top five, your favorite. Five. And then it's like, where do you find these people? You would think everywhere. But I felt for the longest time I can't find my people, like my group of people. And so I'm just like, it is not worth the energy.
1: Yeah, and it's hard. I remember moving to Washington, D.C. about seven years ago. And I lived in Hampton Roads prior to that. Hampton Roads is so community focused and small and you can get to to places easily. And then you move to D.C. and everybody's one, who are you with? They want to know who are you with? What do you do before they get to know who you are as a person? So I found that a little bit off-putting because you're asking me what my job is before you even get to know me as a person, but it was the culture of the area. So I was quite depressed when I moved there because it's hard. it was hard to connect. Now I had people who lived in DC, but I don't know if you've lived in DC, but it is hard to get to people. You may live maybe 30 minutes away, but that 30 minute trip could take you an hour and a half depending on where you are. Yeah, it's depending on where you are in location and in life, it could be a bit of a challenge to make new friends. Yeah,
2: exactly. absolutely. That's what both of you said. So I lived in the Maryland, DC area, specifically oh. in Petey County, and my husband is from DC. And when I moved there from Atlanta, what, five years ago, six years ago now, I did become depressed because it was just, <laughs> I wasn't used to this disconnect with people everybody is connected somehow so no matter where you go from where you know where I am it's that's a connection and my passion for cooking continued to grew out of that just that loneliness but I don't feel like I was any busier it was just a culture like you say of the area I I couldn't seem to connect with people because everyone was so standoffish and I want to talk and (laughs) invite you over. And it was just this whole, even his family, they would always pick on me about my Southern hospitality, but that's how you connect with people. And it just wasn't there. And it's
1: still not there for me. That's why I'm like trying to weigh my options. Like how, what else do I need to do, Lord? What else do I need to do? But I am thankful that I have connected with some amazing people, but it is hard to connect in that area very much.
0: I think something you said is interesting too about you talking to people and just being friendly with folks. I don't think that we per se seek to find the opportunity to slow down to anything could be an opportunity, right? Like I'm going to this specific place for the specific reason, do the specific thing for this amount of time. Right. And so I think there's probably a lot of missed opportunities. Um, Because I'm not looking for them and I'm not slowing down with the intention to leave room for the possibility, right? I'm like, no, I'm on a schedule. And so how do we slow down to allow opportunity to come to you, right? Or allow your, because I've been told I don't have the most greeting persona or my face is not so welcoming. I don't know why, but I'm just focused what I'm doing. So I'm like, what does a pasted smile look like to be like, come say hello. But crazy enough, when I'm trying to mind my business, the folks that don't catch any of the social cues are like, hi. And I'm like, no, not today. <laughs> not <laughs> today.
2: To keep going on, um, are work friendships real or just based on proximity? So what do you all think? That can be
1: difficult. I have connected with some people that I work with. I've met a few people that I'm still close to today, but I don't go to work looking for a friend because I am there to work. And sometimes when you cross boundaries, especially if you're in a leadership position and you befriend somebody who may be underneath you and you have to correct them. And when you do that, I thought we were friends. This has nothing to do with the friendship. I'm at work. I'm at work. You have to do what you have to do. And just because you're a friend doesn't mean that I have to slack up on you. So it can be I don't know if I've had some real friendships form. But if you're going to do that, you need to be very careful because that line can get very blurry.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that when I was younger, I had this false story I told myself about how I was going to go to work and I was going to, we're going to go to happy hour after. And I guess I had seen this on television. This is going to be my life outside and I'm from California, but I went to Undergrad in Ohio, and then I came to grad school in Texas. So I wasn't with any of my people, right? So it's just like, how else were you going to make friends? So I just figured the job was going to do that for me. We're going to network and we're going to have all these fundatory things you have to go do. And that was not my life, okay? Like I worked with senior citizens who were over age 70, and the folks I worked with was over 50. And here I am, like 23. I'm like, oh, so happy are They're going home to their families and kids and things, right? They had full lives already. And so I think that I, for a while, was trying to figure out how to meet the expectation I made in my head, but I also worked in several different realms, right? So, like by day, I was doing nonprofit; by night, I was professor adjunct at a college, and then after that, I was at Starbucks, right? So the realms of my world were totally different populations of people, and I still felt like I struggled. And I think that with work, especially nowadays, you just have to be cautious all the time. It's always will be friendly. But I'm going to have a life outside of there. So now on the footing I'm in in life, like I've just settled into like my friends are in different places. We do this phone tag orchestration thing where we have, like you were saying, planning days. But I think with the work folk, I'm like, I very much for that, Sarita. I am like not here for friends. We don't need, I got life outside of here, but I, I will be pleasant. We will get this job done. And if y'all don't bother me, exactly. I will bother you. We're good. But when I was younger, I did transition. Like you're saying about leadership, I was a peer that became the supervisor of my peers. and there is a separation you have to create at that point. So now I'm like, with this growth of the ladder? We don't care about that. But I think it was a hard footing to navigate for a long time.
2: Yeah, so being an educator, I think it's a little bit of real friendship and proximity because there was just so much connectedness with just like student struggles. And we talked about just randomly in the hallway, what's happening with Timmy and what's happening with Sarah. It was just like, it was always these things that, we were constantly talking to each other. So I think friendship grew out of, I'm going to say just necessity, almost just to make sure that we were all on the same page, at least for the positive campuses that I were on. But when I look back, there's only a few that I still stay in contact with. But I also think some of that is because of social media. If I were not on social media and we didn't have this huge social media presence, I wouldn't still be connected to them. And so it's a few I do call friends, but I guess maybe it depends on what career choice you're in, how those friendships blossom. As we're talking about this, are you, I guess at the end of the day, are you for or against work friendships? And how do you establish those boundaries? Which I know you ladies have mentioned a little bit before, of especially when it's a leadership position and a subordinate.
1: I think the older that we get, we don't really go to work looking for friends because you're in there for a purpose and you're trying to climb the career ladder. But if a friendship happens to blossom, I wouldn't be against it. But I don't go there looking for that. I am friendly, like Shay said, but I am not openly looking for a friend when I get to work.
0: Yeah. And I think that in alignment with not looking, there are parts of me that like, even though I'm I am. There to do my job and I want to be cordial. I also want to be human, right? So when if the if opportunity presents itself where someone is now allowing themselves to be vulnerable or they're sharing something that was fitting for the moment, not just coming to some the of their life, because I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that, right? Especially as you have folks that are transitioning into new positions or they're like having work-life balance things, or they're having stress, or they're talking about you really want to do therapy or something like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay with that moment of the reciprocity of sharing. But that doesn't mean Absolutely. that it's, it's not a full-fledged friendship per se, but I value us being able to be humans. But when you talk about boundaries... You mentioned social media and keeping up with people. I, for the longest time, was not on social, okay? I don't know what rock I live under. I remember when Facebook began, I was in college, and I was like, no, that's not a thing. I have a co- Communication is my jam, right? So I'm like, that is false friendship. You guys think you're friends. You guys don't even know about each other's lives. Then I got into business, and I was like, I guess I have to be on this social thing. But I don't do that with my people at work. If we work together, if you have any affiliation, you cannot Facebook me. Like we're not going to do it. If my stuff is private, it stays private. I will not accept friends until after I'm no longer there. And I'm like, oh, I was okay, about well. to say that
1: I will do it after. afterwards. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. even kind of leery about that with LinkedIn. And I know that's supposed to be a professional, but just depending. I Correct. know that like I'm changing some of that, my footing in it. But I know that like at some points I was doing things. I'm an in instructional design, right? So I was doing some curriculum things in my own business. And then there's curriculum things I do for my job. And so some of that crossover, if like, hey, can we do an interview? I'll do it for LinkedIn. But if they're doing something separate, mm-hmm. I'm really leery about how much insight I want to give to my workplace, which is I don't even use my name, I use at work because I'm trying to keep the boundary and the separation. So I don't know. I just think that when it comes to social, that's a hard line for me.
2: Yeah. Just like you said, definitely not until after I leave that place of employment, do I allow them to come? Because for me, like you jumped on Facebook. In college, so what, maybe, I don't know, the second year I was in college or whatever. And it's just, it's very much a part of my life. It's how I even stay connected with family members on a certain level. When I do allow them into my world, trust me, they have been vetted. Did you pass this one or two years of vetting? Can I trust you? So it is, for me, it is very much boundaries being set. I allow them to know as much as I want them to know. And I have, for whatever reason, a personality. People will just give me everything. But when you sit and look, I haven't really given you anything, but I'm going to help you through every issue you have. I can agree. Yeah. So it's just, I'm very aware of what information leaves me as a person versus what I receive but they can trust me with it. So that's one thing for me is like that trust boundary for co-workers.
1: And I think social media helps me because I remember birthdays. They help me remember my cousin's birthday or my friend's birthday. Without it, I'm going to be honest, they may not get a happy birthday. I believe that it can be like you. I tell them what I want them to know. Some people get up there and they let it all hang out. Me, I know that social media can be screenshot and passed on. So you give them what you want them to, to know without having to share everything. But those of them who actually share everything, like you said, there has to be some trust that we're not going to go off and tell. did you see Quinta what she put? I would never do that. But yeah, social media is very much part of my life, but I share what I would like for them to know. And that's not everything.
0: Speaking of social media and all things technology, what's happening in the internet streets? We've seen increasingly where celebrities have died by suicide and the response has been check on your strong friends. So what does it really mean practically to show up for your strong friends?
1: I think some people think that being on the internet and actually saying hi or, I love your outfit. It's fire or something like that is that you're actually keeping in contact with that person. But it's not true. So many people look like they're lively and they're doing well on social media, but they're at home crying and feeling lone and depressed. And some of them leave this earth because they felt like nobody was there. So I think we need to be more intentional about actually keeping up with people and not. Thinking that we're checking on our strong friends just because we like or we put a heart or mm-hmm. girl, you look fire because that's just a comment. But that's not actually checking on that person. Hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be something like it'd be a few minutes, a text. But I'm, a, I'm an advocate of actually picking up the phone and hearing people's voice when I have the time, mm-hmm. because everybody's so busy in this world. We're so busy, but you need to slow down enough to check on your people for real.
2: Absolutely. In my friend group, I am the strong friend. I'm the strong person. I'm Mm -hmm. the one that, for some odd reason, I'm just there for everybody and I'm solutions oriented, right? So before you even get done telling me your problem, I'm ready to solve it. But because of that, people don't check on me. When it talks about the practicality of how do you check on that strong friend, pick up the phone. I don't even like talking on the phone, but the fact that I know you have taken the time (laughs) to call me says a whole lot. And it says how much you care about me. It says that you see me and that you want to make sure that with everything that's going on in my life, you want to make sure that I'm somewhat grounded and that I have what I need. So I think it's just that thing of How does that person communicate? And if you are a friend, you should know some key things about them. What is their preferred method of communication? If you might not hear from them for three or four days, but that might be normal. But if a week comes around, okay, now I need to step in. It's like really knowing our friends and the preferred method of communication. When the behavior starts to change, some people, it's all about attention. But when our friends start to slip, we should notice that. And so I think that's when we really need to start stepping in and checking on them.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, it's like remembering that there is always room to hold space for the person who's holding you up. I think that it's easy to go to the listener and never think that the listener that's your go to when something is happening just might need to be listened to at some point. Mm -hmm. right? Just might need to speak. And I think we have to make it okay by being like, hey. So how are things going with you and not sit with the they're going fine because that's an easy passerby. Right. And when people do that and that's enough, the strong person knows that they're like, you didn't even sit long enough to me for me to give you anything. And I think it's also remembering as the person who's pouring to say, thank you for letting me pour. I'm open to receive and giving room that person might want to pour too I think sometimes we think when someone is going through something they don't have room to hear that you're going through something too but sometimes that makes them feel better to know actually I'm not in this alone and lets them deter from their own feelings so if like you're saying Quinta you're problem solution oriented I think that if people could address you from a problem solution oriented place it could be like girl is anything going on with you even if it's that You've already come up with a solution, at least that they know that this is something you're dealing with. And I think that we haven't found a way to make that be a thing, but it should be. Even if that's like coming up with a code word. Just, uh, I watched this show called New Amsterdam, and one of the things that my friends and I have tried to adapt is the how can I help? And I really like that question because how can I help implies that help is needed. You just need to give me some guidance, right? As opposed to let me know if you if I can help. It's like that puts it back on them, right? It, it implies, oh, you shouldn't need help. So I don't know. I think that's something that we can find room to adapt in our friendships to speak their language. And as a follow-up, how do we manage when we feel a no longer able to, qualified to assist someone who was going through depression, a loss or an emotional trial?
1: I had a friend who was, she said, I've gone to my priest. I've gone to my friend. I've, I'm still sad. So at that point, I'm like, I've prayed with you. I've, she's Catholic. I said, told her to go and see her priest, go and talk to her. My, and she still was depressed. I said, you may want to actually go and get some help. And she's I don't want everybody knowing my business. And I think sometimes in our culture, we feel like we can't go and talk to somebody. But after she did, She's a completely different person. And sometimes we have to let them know when they, I've helped you as much as I could, but you need to see a professional and there's nothing wrong with doing
2: that. Absolutely. I know, literally keep a note in my phone of like current numbers or websites for just friends, families, even strangers. I remember it was middle of January, we're standing in line at the grocery store A lady out of the blue starts talking to me and she, like, literally starts to weep. And I just grabbed my purse and wrote down a number to one of the local counseling centers. And I just slipped it in her hand, didn't say anything. But I think we need to be equipped Mm -hmm. to say, I do, I have limits to my ability to help my friends and family and whoever it is, but just be ready, Mm -hmm. be prepared. That's been my thing. And knowing that sometimes what they need, even if I say what that person, that professional is going to give them, they may not be able to receive it from me. Right. Mm -hmm. So just being ready to say, you know what, I'm going to support you however I can and also having that information for them so that they can move forward.
0: I love that you have that written down. I need to give me a little sticky. Yeah, I just wrote a note. I said, "Add a list." (laughs) That's so good, especially because you—you're something. There was a reason that person was drawn to you to be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Doesn't you didn't do anything Mm -hmm. besides listen, which is something, right? Yes, I love that. I'm gonna put that on my to-do list. Thank you. I think when it comes to depression or emotional things, is in my circle, I'm very—we normalize therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. I come from a background where people of color do not, right? We're not, we're still fighting the stigma behind it. Yeah. The stigma and like the utilization of the resource. And I frequently talk about it because I, want people to know in my world it's not something I'm ashamed of and it's also mm-hmm. not something that I'm waiting until I'm in a point of crisis to do like I just do it as a check-in and I share the fact that this wasn't something that I was raised doing and I was very anti it until things just in my life weren't and try something if what I'm trying is not working try something and so I think like you're saying like I when I find things that work like recently I utilized therapy and I don't know if it's Okay. To th- we're not, I'm not pubbing any place, but <laughs> I like the format of this place called growth therapy. And because they allow you to be so specific with what you're looking for in another person and finding a therapist is like dating. Everybody's not gonna be your fit and it's okay to not be committed to, I want to go to this person. And then you finally get the courage. You're like, they're not a fit. That's okay. Speed date them next. You know what I mean. It's really okay, agree. but agree. to be to be able to say, I want another person of color. I want a woman. They, you can take it down to languages. You can say if you want it in person or online. And I just think that that was super helpful for me to not feel overcommitted. And right then, they can check your insurance if you use insurance. If you don't, they can check how much it's going to pay. So you, they take out all of the hard work of calling and getting on the phone and just being able to sift and peruse and see what's there. And so I think that. By finding, like you're saying, another way to utilize a resource where it puts it, takes it off of them being so hard. But when they hear, oh, I've done that, too. And it was actually really simple. It gives them courage to say, OK, I'm not the only person.
1: That's, That's awesome. Amazing. All right. Thank you guys for sharing. That was beautiful. So Bumble, as you all know, is a dating site, but there's also a BF side that kind of helps you connect with people and establish friendships. Do you think this is something that you would use to find friends or any unship app? Is this something that you would be open to?
2: I would be open to it. I tried. I spent a lot of time on Facebook and there was like one group that kept popping up and it was saying something about like connecting with people in your area. And I actually did meet a couple of different people who seemed normal and they were like really cool. We didn't ever meet up offline or whatever, but... I think that we one of them was another educator so that was something that we very easily connected over. I also I do a lot of different things with food, and so one of the things I do is I smoke meats. And one was a guy his family owned a barbecue restaurant. We connected over that. So we had common interests, but even if it was just on Facebook, it was a way for me to be connected with someone else. And it didn't need to go super deep. It was just, "Oh, I look forward to engaging with these humans to talk about things that make us happy and that make us proud. And we're excited to share with each other, our accomplishments. So I would totally do it.
1: Yeah. I've, I've never done that, but I have done meetups and I think they're pretty cool. It's, there's various causes and various types of interests and you can just meet up with people who are in your interest. Sometimes it's online and zoom or sometimes it's an actual meetups. So as so I said this year I'm going to be a little bit more intentional about. I've been doing a lot of studies. so I've been a little bit more intentional about getting out so I'm going to have to start going back to to those meetups. I've never tried Bumble friendship but not sure if I'll try cuz I've tried the date side and my lord, but that's another story when we're, we're talking about friendships today. So that's a, that's another story for another day.
0: I'm cracking up over here. Okay, listen, I ain't never tried Bumble. My friend did try the Bumble friend thing and so I think being open to it, I would be open to it. And crazy enough, I did meet my husband on an online site. My friend set up the information because the whole answering the questions is hard to talk about yourself. And so she did the hard part. And I didn't believe in that and look at it it worked out. So maybe I should try this friendship thing. I don't know. But I think if I look at it from the perspective, like you're saying, you had this one thing in common. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. when we have crossover friends, like you were saying earlier, it's like, am I going to want to do this and this? But if it's just to go do the meat smoking, or it's just to do that, then it wouldn't be bad. And I don't have to, maybe it won't feel like such a commitment. I think I'm going to be open
1: to trying it. That's good. I don't know if I'll be open to that one, but I think I definitely would be, continue to be open to meeting up with theirs Because there's so much you can learn from people who you don't know. Yeah, sometimes you realize, oh, we have a lot, I have a lot more in common with this person than I realize. And if you have that mentality, I heard one girl say no new friends, no new friends. And I'm like well, You would be missing out on a whole lot of people just by saying life is long. It's short at the same time, but you don't want to be, just have your three friends. I have a group of friends. We call ourselves the Fantastic Four. They've been my friends since eighth grade. We are still friends. We get together about four times a year. But I went to college and I met another crew. When I moved to DC, I have some friends. So I think in various phases of your life, you meet different people, but you should be open to meet. I'm not saying they're going to be your best friend, but they could be somebody that could get you out of house or can show you how to another smoking method for your meat. So... I need to come and try that. So we're friends now. I just want to let you know. So when I ride down there or when you come to D.C.,
2: just let me know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating or review. Seated with Strangers is a full experience podcast. So check out the show notes for more ways to engage with us. We'll see you next time.